Hello, and welcome to the Culture Force podcast. We're excited you're here. Now, we know that you're probably listening to this as you drive or work out or whatever you're doing or wherever you are, and you don't have the ability right now to write down every single thing you hear that our guests share, and some of it is world-changing. It's incredible. So we got your back. Kyle and I have created a free ebook that contains every single interview we've done, the highlights of those interviews. And so it's about 20 pages long. If you head over to cultureforce.team, T-E-A-M, and just put in your email address, we'll send you this ebook that has all the best bits of the podcast we've conducted this season. So head over there. Make sure you head over to iTunes and give us a like as well. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us whether you think Kyle did a better job or whether Chris did a better job. Uh, or if you think we just both did a good job, or maybe we both need work. But anyways, we love hearing from you. Head over there for that free ebook. It's a, a treasure trove of some of the best information that I've ever heard from some of these incredible people we've interviewed this season. So thanks for your time, and let's get on with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? It's the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because own. they are hard. Try to, try to, try to find my way home. All right, welcome back. Today we have a special guest, a very, very special guest, a good dear friend of mine, Dan Luna. Dan has... Uh, served alongside of me at SEAL Team One. In fact, one of my favorite memories of Dan is walking into SEAL Team One as a young man and getting to meet Dan, and Dan just giving me a scowling look on his face, like, who the F are you, new guy? And uh, and I've always looked up to Dan. He's been a mentor to me, but also an incredible human being. He's been a leader, not just on the battlefield, but also off the battlefield for SEALs, for up-and-coming young frogmen, for guys at the Naval Academy, for cadets at the Naval Academy, training to become leaders. Dan, so glad to have you here, brother. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Kyle. Th things have changed over the years, so I'd probably give you a smile and a hug today instead <laughs> of a scowl. So. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. You know, Dan's been um, doing some incredible stuff, and I've gotten to listen to Dan uh, over the uh, the years and watch the evolution of him, Chris. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to take this conversation in a certain way based on, on Dan's experience. One thing that Dan has been really harping on, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, at any time, but Dan has harped on when it comes to leaders, when it comes to developing a good culture from the military aspect is be a good person. I've heard Dan say that a lot. Dan, can you can you elaborate on why why that's become such a passion for you? Yeah, I, and I would even say that's that's evolved over the years. So for Absolutely. me, just just a mantra that I've used was be a good dude. And and this goes into my own kind of my own faults and um, and for my own self development. Really, starting out as an only child, so so when it comes to team and teamwork, almost starting behind the curb and being a little selfish, and then finally recognizing that uh, through through the team activities, starting in buds and then at SEAL Team One, and just seeing being able to self observe and see some of that 
that selfishness show up and then realize that, hey, that's not the team player that I want to be. That's not the team player that I want to be known for. And so really, it just started out for me as as a young SEAL, as a new guy was, hey, just be a good dude. And then that continued to evolve throughout my time in the SEAL teams of, hey, man, just be a good person. And so just a real simple line that has so much impact and so much personal meaning within a simple statement. Hey, can I jump in and just ask for that? Because I've thought the same thing over the years. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there who feel like they have to sort of have this Machiavellian kind of, I'm a hard driver, I'm a mean cuss, don't look at me the wrong way or I'll fire you. Um, and they get a lot out of their teams, I think, out of fear. Uh, but they don't really build a great culture. Um, you know, I think of uh, Steve Jobs, where people said, this guy really pushed me to be creative, but he was he was an asshole um, most of the time. Um, versus a guy like Richard Branson, who seems to have fun, um, whose team seemed to love him, who seemed to, you know, he's going on and creating all kinds of stuff. What do you think? Is there a happy medium there? Um, you know, I'm watching the Jordan documentary right now, and his teammates say that he was, he was an a-hole pretty much the entire time in practice. And then they Every one of them followed up with, but I didn't never won a championship. I didn't never scored that many points, you know? So is there a, you know, be a good dude versus be a tough dude or be a, a, a jerk of a dude? I mean, how do you kind of base your decision-making along those lines? Yeah. So really this question starts to open up that can of worms of culture, right? So mm -hmm. culture is this, this, this huge thing that we can simplify and oversimplifying, oh, it's, you know, tr traditions, values, and beliefs. And we're like, oh, okay. But when you think about, so really that question, I love that you used Machiavelli too. Mm -hmm. So it's better to be, you know, it's better to be loved than feared, but if you can only be one, be feared. And it's really this, and he was a political philosopher. So looking at Machiavelli and understanding that really, and you look at the time period in which he wrote, you're looking, what he's really talking about is stability. So, hey, how do we maintain stability in a time of turmoil? So, so when you look at culture, what people enjoy is stability. So when you talk about culture and changing culture and, and, the, and the fight against that change, even if it's for everyone's benefit, you are now taking something stable and making it and destabilizing it. So, so you'll see in organizations this fight against it, even though it's the best thing for them or you know, they perceived a better future, more stability, growth, um, they fight against it because it's, it's a, it's a sense of instability. So, so now what we are talking about, how you get that done, that comes to styles. So we're talking about two different styles and I would say it depends, you know, as a leadership coach, I would sit there and say, what makes sense for your style and what does your organization need? So your style. And so going back to Machiavelli, if all you do is love what is the bad, what is some bad things that can come from loving? And now people can take advantage of you. So now you can still have this culture swing and go into a negative aspect of something that stemmed from a positive place. And same thing with fear. We can look at fear and say, hey, they can't, they, you know, they had this dictatorship, they, they had this tyrant mentality and they ruled with an iron fist However, we knew what we were going to get, and it was very stable, and the way they drove it was in a direction that peaked this performance. So it goes into style, and that really, like I said, just opens up this, this massive can 
that we can dive into and spend, you know, months in. <laughs> yes. And, and so there's two things that I want to pull out of that, um, Chris. And the first one is the stability, aka some might even call it um, consistency. But I want to hear Dan's perspective. And then and then I really want to dive, dive into style because this is something Dan and I are really, really aligned when it comes to style. He and I are very aligned. However, comma, we come from a culture, we come from a community that does not always think like Dan and I do, where style can sometimes be very, very important to the success of the individuals in the community. So first, let's go back real quick. So, so Dan, would you say then that that stability equals consistency? How, how would you frame that? Would I say that stability equals consistency? Yeah, I actually haven't looked at that, looked at it that way. I would have to, I would have to examine it further. My initial thought is yes, that there, that there's definitely a correlation between um, stability and consistency. So, so with culture, what we're talking about, what I like to do is break things down very sim- simplistic. So, if we look at an individual. So a company culture is like is is like character to a person, right? If you want to change your character, so character comes from the Greek word to etch, to mark, something that's been marked over and over and over. So that's character. So Chris, I want to change your character or you want to change your character. How long do you think that that's going to change? How much time and energy and effort and level of willingness is going to go into that? A lot. Mm. to do that. So now if that, if it's that small on an individual level, when it comes to company culture or even team culture, that's where the complexity and the patience and the time component and the energy component, all these things come in to now affect change. And is there a stable way to do it or a consistent way to do it? I would say yes. Now it depends on maybe things external to the environment, right? So COVID, for example, COVID this was has happened, and now you're looking at company and organizational change very quickly because of pressure. So now, if we were to look at pressure in ratio to change, little pressure maybe change over time, greater pressure greater change very quickly. So we could probably graph these out. Sorry, that was a nerd in me. No, no, I, I love it. You know, I think that, um, you know, the way you describe that, it seems complex. Uh, Kyle and I have a theory that we've been bouncing around. I mean, it's a little bit that we sometimes make leadership or even culture uh, overcomplicated or it's, you know, we've been saying you know, maybe leadership's overrated. Uh, maybe culture is what we should be focusing on because it can build, you know, a massive thing. Uh, like if you want to be successful, uh, be a good leader. If you want to endure, build a great culture kind of deal. But, you know, you talk about, hey, it's it's a long haul. It's hard. Uh, there's a lot of self-effort that goes in. But is it really complicated? Um, can the average guy not pick this up? Or, or what is the challenges that, that's faced? I mean, you two are obviously at the highest levels of uh, in the military. Um, you know, you stand out. You, you're wired differently. But is it really that complicated or is it just a matter of I just need to get focused and I don't know how to make myself get focused? 
or I just need to take this guy out and, you know, to lunch and, and you just talk to him and tell him I care. And maybe that's all that needs to happen. Yes. <laughs> that's my, my answer is it's, it's hard and it's easy. Is it leadership is, is a culture? Yes. It's, it, it's both, you know, is it in our body, right? So if we go back to the individual and we try and simplify it instead of looking at a greater organism, are we all cognitive? Are we just thoughts? Are we thoughts and emotions? Are we thoughts, beliefs, emotions, stories, assumptions, perceptions, sensations? Like, are we all, yes. Can we get very complex as we go internal? Yes. We can also simplify it by saying, you know, hey, be a good person. You know, like, hey, train, be aware of yourself. So I'm of the belief that, that really both leadership and culture start with the individual. So it starts with you. It shows up really with your own internal work. And if you focus on yourself versus focusing on the external, like, hey, I'm just going to work on how I communicate. Hey, I'm going to work on my style and see how my style goes with different personalities. Hey, I'm going to work on doing my task. I'm going to work on, you know, make sure that I'm doing the job that I'm supposed to do within the team. Hey, I'm going to work on make sure that I'm representing the values of the organization. So it's really this, it starts from this, it's this inside out philosophy that I'm a deep believer of, whether it's leadership and then who you are as an individual, a better me equals a better us, which equals a better team or organization. So, so whether it's leadership or culture, I think it starts with us. I'm going to, um, I'm going to give you some kudos for that. Uh, first off, you don't need my kudos, but, um, maybe just back up the point you're making. I've never heard it, uh, communicated that way, but I, in my own life, I've seen it, all of that come to fruition exactly as you described it and, mm. and teach people and encourage people. When I took over the team, um, you know, the one, uh, when I was at Dave Ramsey, he said that he took the worst team in the department and made the very best. And people would sometimes ask me, Hey, what'd you do? Like this department, you know, that we had multiple leaders. It, it could never seem to flourish. It was always frustrating. It was the, it was an event team. And, uh, and I just looked around and said, Hey, I, I don't know how to do this. Um, so they put me in charge and I just said, Hey, here's who I am. I'm transparent. I'm real. I'm, I'm a little goofy, um, but I'm not going to be mean. I'm not going to be uh, instill fear. We're, we're in this together. And that for me, that wasn't just a, a trite popular statement. We're in this together. And here's an example. Uh, we kept missing our budget over and over again. And I couldn't figure out you know, how to fix this. So finally, I went and threw the spreadsheets for the entire budget uh, and uh, anybody who spent money in the department. We were in this meeting and I said, guys, I need your help. I can't do this on my own. Uh, I can't make this work. Uh, and I remember other leaders saying, you opened everything to them. You showed them everything. Uh, you know, it's even to the, you know, if the admin was buying, you know, office supplies, she was in the meeting. And um, all of a sudden, everybody jobbed. Okay, we got this. And I knew they got it when we were in a meeting and I made a suggestion that we do something. And the person who was in charge of that project said, well, if we do that, that's going to increase our budget and we're going to go over. And that was the first time they'd ever said that. Um, and the reason I say that it makes sense the way you've described it is be a good dude, be who you are, um, is because on the converse side, sometimes I was too transparent and it, it worked against me because I was transparent. Sometimes people would use my transparency and my openness against me. Well, that guy, he does this, or did you know he said that? Or, and, and it was a negative 
because um, not everybody on your team sometimes has the best intentions for you uh, and the team. And so I, I started to come to grips with, hey, do I pull back or do I just accept this is part of who I am and this is sort of the negativity that comes with how I lead I, or sort of the, the bad part um, that can come out as a result of sort of being who I am. And everybody has it. I think you said that. Um, and so I just, just I just said, hey, this is who I am. I can't be anybody other than this. Um, and that has served me very, very well. It has frustrated people from time to time. Uh, but I can't say that if I tried to be somebody else, I wouldn't frustrate them either. So I think that it's an interesting point. And I guess the way I would sum it up, Dan and Kyle, is that so many people are listening to podcasts like this or reading books um, on leadership, trying to figure out who they should be um, instead of trying to figure out who they are. We talked to Joe Musselman last week who basically said we don't do enough time of self-reflection trying to figure out what makes us tick and why it makes us tick and how we can tap into that and make us tick for a lifetime. Um, and so I think that's an excellent point. I, I mean, if you want to expand on that, feel free to, Dan, but I just uh, feel really encouraged by that. I hadn't heard it that way. And uh, I certainly appreciate and can say, look, my success in life is I haven't tried to be somebody else. I haven't tried to be Dan Cathy at Chick-fil-A. I haven't had to try to be, you know, anybody from Apple or Amazon or Elon Musk or whatever you will. I just try to be Chris. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Dan, along that same uh because you have a unique perspective. You have the, a similar perspective as I do. Uh, as I transition to civilian sector, you see a, not just the younger younger generation, you see all generations that, especially in this day and age of, of digital, like everyone wants everything so fast when it comes to self-development. And everyone, and I'm telling Chris, I've said this numerous times, like everyone doesn't, nobody realizes like, hey, you don't become a Navy SEAL overnight. It's three years before you're on an, on a single operation, maybe even three and a half years before you're actually on an op, you know? So I'd love to hear your perspective on everything just Chris said along the same vein of what I just said. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? It does. So you guys said a lot, so I'm going to try and I know, hit I know. it all very, very quickly. No, Don't no forget rush, anything. No rush. No <laughs> rush. So, Sorry, I'm just I'm excited to have Dan I, here. I love. I know I love. we've been talking for a little bit, and I still <laughs> I'm still pumped. Um, yeah. So so real quick, some quick background on me. So my undergrads in in leadership, organizational leadership. I have a master's from Georgetown in leadership, and then also from Georgetown, a certified leadership coach, and then I'm getting ready to apply to a doctorate in education with a specialty in leadership. And I say true, all those true underachiever. Yeah. So I say those things and really to to for my own perspective, as far as not just having um, military experience, some some corporate experience now since I've been out for the past year in, in business consulting and with a, a company that I'm working with now. So to to have to have the experience and to see it real time, to be in academics, to look at research, to look at kind of the perspective of where the researchers are, are coming from. So really those who have just observed and not really those who have been practitioners of it. Um, and then to be a leadership coach, which is very different than a consultant and very different than somebody who's done it. So it's really co-creating with the individual or the team what their journey looks like for them. So, so what I've discovered is exactly what you just said. It shows up differently for everyone on an individual level, on a team level, on an organizational level. So I just got done writing 
a leadership guided journal and it should be published in the next two two months or so and it's it's called right. leading from within pushing and pulling nice. the, the leader inside of you and so it's this idea and it helps people reflect so i've been in uh, kind of a, around enough both clients and even institutions universities to where hey kyle just journal on your thoughts or reflections for the day so how do we become self-aware and it's, and it's really through reflection and journaling is just a tool to do that. So what I did is I built this, this tool and it's been over a year to help people reflect and also to add to complexity. And I'm talking fast because there's so much information that I'm trying to, to push in a short amount of time, not only with leadership, but with culture, you now get into adult development. So now adult development stages of what you were talking about with identity and Hey, is it is my identity around the group? Am I self-authoring? You know, am I am I now seeing multiple identities and I'm am I able to self-observe? And there's different adult development models that are out there. So which one are you looking at? So so that's where the beginning of the complexity starts is you have all these different people come together, different personalities, different communication styles, different ways that they that they are energized. <clears throat> different adult development placements and in different histories and pasts and so how they see things. So, so part of that is now generational gaps. So to hit the speed and the now vice even long-term, and this goes into Western society and Western culture of like consumerism. Hey, I should be able to have this now. And if I order something, speed of consumption, hey, it gets here the next day with Amazon or it gets here within two days. Um, so we want everything now because that's everything is at our fingertips. So we're so used to it. So now this philosophy has tra has transcended into other realms of our life that for the most part, we're not tracking. So to now to just pause, and I would say that's why meditation in even Eastern philosophy has has really been so impactful now on Western culture. And it's this, you know, you look at meditation apps and, and uh, mindfulness and uh, even what used to be taboo or not talked about, more talked about resiliency training, uh, spirituality, these different things that we're seeing because we're so, there's so much information that we're constantly around and the boundaries now that technology is crossed and, and not setting boundaries in the workplace. So there's, there's so many aspects and I hope with all those words, I answered some of your questions. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, that was great. That was great. We're, we're not in a rush. Um, that was, that was fantastic. Uh, so I would like to, so around that same topic, if you will. So when you talk about meditation, when you talk about self-reflection, what, what are you seeing that's working right now, Dan, with your, with your clients, with, with individuals, with whoever you're working with, what are you seeing that's working to help them encourage an environment where, you know, the self-reflection, the meditation is, is not just allowed, not just tolerated, but is really encouraged. So, and I don't mean to sound like a record really starts with the individual. So yeah. we have this, this saying in coaching that we use, it's, it's meeting the client where they're at, you know, meet the individual where they're at, not where I'm at. Hey, Kyle, you're in a different spot, but I'm going to, I'm going to force you to come to me. Like, no, I'm going to go to you 
and then co-create with you and help lift you up. So, so it's a little bit different. So now when it comes to medita- meditation or self-reflection, it's meeting the individual where they're at. So I can dive into spirituality and, and talk about things in that realm. And that's not going to land with a lot of people that, that may not resonate with certain audience. What may resonate with them is now going to the science of it and say, and talking through, Hey, what the, what the breath does to the different nervous systems. And if you do this type of breathing for this long, it's proved that, Hey, you'll change your nervous systems and you can actually make this shift and it, and it calms you down because it goes into sensory overload, especially when you look at certain, certain folks who work in what I call a volatile environment. So, so a high pace, whether you're in private equity or finance, or maybe you're a cop, something that where you just have so much stimulus throughout the day, science has shown that, Hey, if you just take a a 15 minute break where it limits that stimulus, and even if you don't do any breathing, just, just taking space, sitting on a park bench, right? Doing something outside that there's, there's a form to where you're detaching from that to where you can b- gain benefits from it. So it's really just meeting the individual where they're at and what makes sense to them, whether it's meditation for, for um, maybe a closeness with, with creator or you know themselves or whatever it is, or hey, just stepping outside and going for a walk for 15 minutes to just breathe and enjoy the outdoors. Mm, so good. So good. I want to take this. I want to take this back to what you said earlier about styles now, because that that completely parlays into into the exact subject of meeting people where they are. But also, more importantly, I think you and I and tell me I'm wrong, Dan, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me you don't agree with me. I I probably won't ever tell you you're wrong. (laughs) Yeah. So what I what I have found in the community that we came from is that there's this certain style of leadership that is um, highly more encouraged than others, right? Um, so I would love to hear your perspective on it because my style is so different. I've found over the years, I'm not I'm not a, a very very aggressive leader when it comes to you know raising my voice with guys at the SEAL teams unless it's like a dangerous situation. That's just not me. Um, and I'm not saying that all seals are, are yellers I'm definitely not saying that, but, uh, but my style is definitely a little different, um, from the community that we come from. So what I would like to hear from you is, is your perspective when it comes to understanding your own individual style and understanding that, Hey, just because maybe you're in an environment or a business or an entity or an organization that has a culture that that really encourages a certain style that, hey, once you find out what your style is, once you really understand how you can work in your style, it, it's, it's almost irrelevant as long as you're able to bring it to the fullest capability. You know what I mean? What do you think? What's your thoughts? Yeah. <clears throat> so so I'll start out with the individual and I'll go out from there. So, so style for a lot of times here, I'll, I'll actually, I'll, I'll start out differently. I'll start with cultures and the individual. So where does our own personal culture come from? It comes from these external, it comes from conditioned environments, right? These external factors and they just layer on us. You know, maybe it's something from the geographic region that we're born in. It comes from, you know, our parents or whoever raised us, the friends, the family, 
uh, institutions, education, po- politics. So you have these layers that that you you get covered with as you grow up, and then you carry those layers wherever you go. So when it comes to style, a lot of that is is learned, and then you also add the personality, you know, nature and nurture, if you will. There's the genetic composition. Are you introverted? Are you extroverted? Um, and then the, the personality components of it as well. So your own individual intricacies. So those add to style. And then when you go into an organization, there's a transition from wherever you were at and whatever your past told you. And now whatever you're learning for the new norms and the new introduction for the new environment. However, you're still carrying that past with you. So all these things come together to really form your style. So to now take that style and to recognize your strengths, right? There's strengths finders and personality tests and a disc assessment, the 360, all these things. So you can gain greater awareness of yourself and say, hey, I have these strengths. That's great. And what I I like to say from my, my SEC brothers also say your future strengths. So, hey, I'm not going to ignore these things. I'm going to also build up my future strengths. So as I move forward with that and as I come into my own and as I get comfortable in that environment, you know, then you grow and mature. And ideally, it's this stair-step process with leadership. However, and this goes into issues of management, how we promote and all these different things that I won't dive into right now. But for the individual, as they learn their style and the norms from the environment, and so some of that for you, it's like, hey, I don't like that. That when I got yelled at and we learned from negative, we also learned from negativity or things that we didn't like. And I would say that might be even more impactful. Hey, somebody yelled at me. They didn't really get the full story and they didn't even ask me for the story. Hey, when I get in that leadership position, I'm not going to yell at individuals and I'm going to ask them what they were thinking before I even yell at them. You know, so now we can learn from negative experiences. And now we take that, those lessons that we've learned moving forward. And so when it comes to styles, what I like to say, even Chris, what you're mentioning, hey, what serves me? So there's this question of, hey, what services me and what services the team? And it's now finding maybe that middle way, that middle ground of, hey, what's in line? What services me? What services the team? And then are these two things in line with strategy or the organization themselves? So to now look at, and and really as we grow as leaders, we're able to step back more and both observe and self-reflect and take in the greater need of the organization. Right. So even strategically on the battlefield or whether it's corporate, as you're making decisions, you're taking in yourself, you're you're able to take in the team and you're able to take in, hey, do these things align with the organization themselves? That's good. That's really good. Hey, how about um, we take a we take a turn right uh, just for fun. Um, and I ask you a couple of questions uh, about your Navy SEAL days. Um and, and they can, can kind of relate to what we're discussing here. But uh, I always found it curious. Is, uh, Kyle tells me what a great swimmer he was. And that was his favorite part of uh, Buds in many ways. Because um, I couldn't run. <laughs> do, you have, do you have any special memories? What was your favorite thing to do uh, sort of in, when you were in Buds and then in the Seals? Um, what was your least favorite thing to do at Buds and in the Seals? 
my favorite thing to do was eat during buds <laughs> and sleep. And my least favorite was everything else. Uh, that's, that <laughs> answer is so much better than mine. So and I much might better. have been the only guy to make it through buds through doggy paddling. I was a really good doggy paddler. Some of my friends, it's funny, like as I do work now in, in the corporate space, uh, the the CEO who I'm working with now at uh, Corvus, he, he makes fun of me. He's like, he says, Dan, I know all you know is doggy paddle. And so that's that's our big joke. Kyle has a great joke he shares, which is, uh, uh, hey, I joined the Navy SEALs because I love the water and the ocean, and uh, I spent 20 years in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that's perfect, maybe. Yeah. And uh, even if you love the water, the military's great at taking something that you love and making it miserable. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> well, I think that confirms. I mean, I think that's a good answer. For most of us, it looks like a pretty miserable experience that the you crazy guys go through and put yourself through. Um, it doesn't look like fun, um, but it, uh, so, that, I mean, I feel like that's a justifiable answer. Yeah. You, you know, what makes it fun and, and ties into what we're talking about is the people. Yep. And it's really the people and it's, it's really a testament to the people. And what we're here talking about today is you can have something as miserable as like, I'm going to put you in the water to your, your shivering. I'm going to have you do these events. And I'm tr like, there's. There's a, a group, a, another group of people, the, the staff, the instructors that are trying to break you. They're not physically, trying to break you mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. They're trying to, to open up your heart. What I used to tell the midshipmen is, I was like, hey, what I'm trying to do is cut you open figuratively and examine your heart and put pressure on that and see if you have the heart because supply can't issue you that. <laughs> Nobody can issue you that. So I wanna test this and through testing that, how do I do it? I'm gonna do it through immense physical pain. Mm. And it, it's, it's, it's so amazing to be around people that you can be in such pain with and suffering and still smile and laugh and have fun. Yeah, I mean, you know, to not over, um, analyze this, but I mean, the, it feels like that possibly the business model uh, need that, that the Navy SEALs offer is they need to have a team full of people who can experience long-term enduring pain because some of the experiences and ops are not going to be uh, you know, a walk in the park. Uh, on the business side, it could be the amount of stress and work and overload that you get um, that can commit you, know, you to this frustration and, and become overwhelming. We see people melt down all the time. Uh, how do you or let me ask you this way. Why do people have such a hard time asking for help? You know, I, I get the impression that uh, as a Navy SEAL, you don't really have to ask for help. You all just know what to do and how to do it. You're all great. And of course, I know that's ridiculous. Um, but in the in the business world, in the corporate world, so few people ask for help. And why do leaders make it so daggone hard for their teams to ask for help, where they make it intimidating or a process? And it's obviously detrimental. Um, so one, why do people have such a hard time? And two, what can someone do that is out there and stuck and needs help um, and may be overwhelmed by having to ask for it? Man, all these questions are opening up a big, uh, a big abyss that we can jump into. So what you said is 
is I find it so interesting and I'm not trying and I'm, I'm really trying to not dive into a rabbit hole right now. So to, to stay on topic, I would say ego, time, energy, and, and even caring. So if I'm so, if I'm the leader and if I'm so overwhelmed, if I'm so task saturated, how much time, if, if I'm just in my own ecosystem and I have all these things to do, and I've seen it both in the military and I've seen in, I've, I've seen it in leaders across borders. And if I'm so overwhelmed where I can't take care of myself, I'm basically trying not to drown. Do I have the ability if somebody else is drowning to help them out? I don't. I don't. I need somebody that is able that is so strong, like a lifeguard that is trained in the environment, that has the tool to then go up to that individual that has the time, that has the energy, that cares enough to go up to the that individual and help them out. And not all beaches have lifeguards, not all areas of water, pools, lakes, whatever have lifeguards. So now it's 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 setting up those systems and the mechanisms of that. And so right now, what we're talking about in organizations is we're really, in a sense, leadership's big right now because we're now understanding the the human capital, the human investment, right? It's easy to say, hey, right now, the stock market's down. It's a great time if you have extra cash to invest and to look at different markets. Hey, maybe I'm going to move my money here. Or I'm going to buy this, right? So we can look at those investments and say, hey, in 10 years, I'm going to get, you know, whatever 10x um, is my ROI or, you know, whatever language we want to use. We're now understanding the same is true for our people, which is is kind of sad in effect that that we've almost we've become advanced technologically. And uh, and now we're we're trying to remember what it is to be human. Right. And I've read articles where where organizations are teaching their people how to shake hands. And even just to say hi when you're walking in the hallway. So, so we're, we're, we've, been, we've been disconnected and now we're trying to reconnect. And I'd say a lot of that started with you know, Dan Goldman's uh, EQ, emotional intelligence. So to take this thing that used to be taboo in the workplace of like, oh, we're going to talk about emotions. Yeah, we're going to talk about emotions because that's part of the human experience. And bottling those emotions, how's that going to work out for you? I love it. I mean, I think that's a very accurate statement. I have myself written a uh, uh, sort of a game plan of what winning looks like for a team member that works for me. And one of the things I wrote at the top is to come in and say good morning to three people before you go to your desk. And it's funny. I go, I literally had to put that on paper. Or when people leave, hey, these people have a bachelor's degrees. They've all been successful in college. We, you know, hired them. And it's like, hey, you need to show up on time. Like I literally have to say that to people and it blows my mind. Um, and I think the EQ is exactly right. We've taken it for granted. It kind of comes out. You've said it best early on when you said we've kind of gotten into this. Uh, I don't want to blame Amazon, but this Amazon mentality overnight should be done overnight. And uh, let me put a period on that and kind of ask you for your opinion on this. I feel like um, and for the lady listeners out there, just uh, hear me out for a minute. We have put a lot of support things uh, in place now for the younger generation. We've put a lot of support things and I feel like seeking out some mental um, vacations, if you will, or, or taking care of yourself mentally is, is not looked on as, as badly as it once was. And there's a lot of support groups for women, but men still have a terrible time um, 
taking care of themselves mentally because there's this stigma that if you're not tough and you're not strong, you're a weak and you're a failure. I look back on the days. Um, I remember there was an NFL quarterback who was, who was having a bad game and he was taken out of the game and he cried and just all the sports talk, all the TV shows, they were just, what a pathetic loser this guy is. He's on the sideline crying. He's a man up. He needs to be tough. And I thought this guy poured his heart and soul for the last two decades of his life into becoming this great NFL quarterback. And he's not performing well and he's upset emotionally. And we want to tear him down for that. You know, as a man, what can we do to help each other out? Um, one, and ask for help. And two, uh, do you know of anything out there uh, where you've seen where, hey, this has been successful and this actually turns companies around and turns organizations around? Chris, do you need a virtual hug? <laughs> I'm no, giving you I'll, a virtual hug, big guy. I'm a hugger, so I'll give you a hug. <laughs> yeah, three-way hug. Here we I, go. I, I can use a hug. I can use a high five. I can use a hug. You know, whatever we can do these days. So, so I'm going to break up your question into two parts. So you hit something earlier, and uh, you're talking about this younger generation and this idea of adulting, right? So somebody. And there's, there's been articles about this, this transition of, hey, you go from mommy and daddy's home or whatever home you were raised in, you go to college, and then you go to whatever that college institute where they take care of you. And then you go into the real world where you're paying bills and you're buying insurance and you're, you're shopping for yours and you're doing all these things that may not, you may not have done to the level where you were in these other places where you had all this other help and resource. So what we're seeing is this delayed adolescence where it's actually taking longer for that adult development process to happen. And we can attribute that to different factors, maybe, you know, the how blessed we are as a nation, maybe because people are living longer, so we're stretching out other things, maybe through technology, right? So I'm sure there's all these factors that are coming into play, but really the, the term for that is delayed adolescence, which is key because now we're seeing that in the workplace. So some of the complaints that we're hearing from like, oh, these millennials or this and that, like, hey, instead of complaining about it, how can you use this as an opportunity? So just to reframe, how is this now an opportunity to now mentor these, these young people that are coming into the institution to put them on tracks and to have a conversation about values? So now it's even more important for leaders and organizations to have that time to where they're not task saturated, to have time in developing those up and comers and, we're, and it's even more important because of succession planning, right? So as we look at the the rollout of of experience, and now you know is and we can get into different occupational things as um, uh, where people are moving around a lot more. So, anyways, it's mentorship is has always been important, and I would say it's still important today. Maybe even more important for the mental health the mental health aspect. So for us as men and the norms and, and the idea around it, what I'd like to offer is, is really start out with resilience. So resilience is, is almost, uh, I don't want to say is, is a new, is like the, the real popular thing right now. Everything's like resilient training, resilience, 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 because we are having so many mental health issues and it's being recognized that there are so many issues. So now everyone wants resilient training and be more resilient. And 
But I like to offer a, a different perspective on resilience. So instead of this idea of just bouncing back and then getting right back into the fight, really this idea of, of going back to wholeness. So going back to self, going back to aliveness. So this idea of resilience is what makes you feel alive? So going back to life. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm going downhill. I'm maybe going in darkness and I'm spiraling down. Hey, what pulls you back into the light? What brings you back to life? And sometimes we can get this negative perspective on life. And it's like, hey, and we, for, and we focus on that when there's all these other beautiful things in life that we're, that we're missing. So now with men, I would offer that same thing. Like, hey, there's this idea of stoicism, which I'm a big fan of. However, it's also understanding that stoicism is also a form of armoring and not necessarily a form of resilience, of, of getting touch in life, walking in nature, appreciation for the things that are good. So there's a distinction there between it. And then for men to maybe reshape norms and starting out once again with themselves and then working their way out to allow space, if you are a leader, to create that space to say, hey, man, what's going on? Hey, I noticed your mood is this. Hey, it, it, I'm noticing or I'm, I'm seeing it looks like you're feeling this way about work. And then to allow space to create dialogue. So to now award dialogue and dialogue maybe in space that it was not awarded before. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, uh, it makes great sense. And uh, I would even say, hey, what I've heard you say fairly consistently throughout our our time here together uh, is that it's about people and relationships. And we sometimes, you know, you mentioned earlier the the dispersonality profile or the uh, Porter's Five Forces or the Strength Finders. Um, and I think people want to use that as, hey, I got leadership training. And what you're saying is leadership training is taking someone out and ask them how they're freaking doing. Um, and if you can help them in any way, that's what I'm hearing. Is that a good paraphrase, Dan? Or is that, it, did it, I miss that? It's, it, it's great. And you hit something that I'm so proud. I'm like sitting here in my seat. I'm so passionate about. So it's leadership knowing, vice leadership doing. Uh. And, and I go back to the consumer, this this consumer philosophy of like, oh, you know, I see this stuff on social. I'm reading a book a week. I'm reading a book a month. I'm doing this podcast. I'm consuming. I'm consuming. I'm consuming. And if we were to like graph this out of no, do, be a very simple model that I love, the leadership knowing may be this long line. Hey, I did all these courses. I did all these books. And I always like challenging people with like, oh, I read all these books. That's great. How has that changed your doing? What mm. new, what new things have you incorporated from those books, from the podcast, from the keynote, from whatever? And they're like, oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. I had a guy that I used to work with and he read, he read a lot. And every meeting, he would drop a little nugget in from the latest book he'd read, and which was fascinating. But it was never it was like he was on to the next thing and on to the next thing and on to the next and never doing. The only thing he did was drop <laughs> what he'd read. Um, yeah, uh, I didn't particularly like that guy very much, but uh, we're no longer together. So it's all right. Just kept going. He just kept yeah. going. So I yeah. love challenging people because so so to now to, to tie in that no do be is is you have to have knowledge to change what you're doing. 
right? If it's if it's more conscious, hey, I want to be more conscious about my environment, about myself, and all the really everything that we're talking about is is a greater awareness, a higher level of consciousness, just of of your environment, of yourself, and that's great to have that. And now, what do you do with it? Well, you need to know things to now understand, hey, what's the best next step? What makes what makes sense for for the next thing I'm going to do? So we need to have knowledge and we need to implement. So we need to do those things and then doing through knowing and through doing, what are we also changing and also affecting? Our being. So we're reshaping ourselves. So now this idea of like, hey, every day I'm trying to become something new. I'm trying to become something better. Well, for me to become something better, I have to do something and then I have to know something. So there's an intimate intimate relationship between those as you move forward as as really a leader or wherever you're at in your organization. So or even at home and all these things are cross. So everything that we're talking about, we can say organization. I can simply change organization and sure. say your family. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. exactly right. Exactly. So right. Dan, get, so give it, let's simplify it real quick. Making it simple, saying, Hey, you've got, you've received all this information. You've actually pulled all this information in. You've actually absorbed it. You've truly absorbed this information as an individual simple, simple steps to now implement, right? You've, you, you've absorbed it. You're a leader, whoever you are. What's the simple step now to actually implement what the absorb, what you have absorbed into your, your daily walk into your daily, um, execution, if you will, simple steps. What so a simple, so yeah. so a simple step. So something I use with my clients is is I'll just ask them what a win looks like, and for some clients it's been as, and you're gonna laugh, and for some it's been just because they've been in bad positions. It's it's just getting out of bed, it's just getting out of bed at a certain time. Hey, if I just get out of bed at this time, because they're struggling with depression, right? So now it's it's. It's in a small wind shows up differently for under for other individuals. It's it's being present, you know, so we'll have conversation. So for everyone, it shows up differently and those winds show up differently. It just rec- it's taking a small step. People think, right, New Year's New Year's resolutions, right? This massive thing that happens every year. And, you know, you see gym sales skyrocket. Everyone wants to be new year, new me. You know, I'm going to get fit. I'm going to finally get that six pack, you know, whatever it is. It's just taking those small steps starting, and it's just going back to consistency. So that, so to almost go full circle where we, where we started this is being consistent, not only with others, but being consistent with yourself and to and another thing that I'll share, something that I share with clients is to move from a place of judgment to curiosity. So instead of judging yourself like, oh, I wanted to do this thing today and I failed, I didn't do that thing today. And then to go down this negative spiral of I'm never going to be able to do it, you know, blah, blah, this negative self-talk. And I, we even like to, I even like to work with clients and name that voice. 
hey, what would you name that voice that's showing up? So we'll name the voice. Hey, what's another voice that could show up? This positive voice, this negative voice, whatever they want to name it. And to say, hey, to be creative and to be forgiving and to go from a place of curiosity and say, oh, that's interesting. That's interesting that I didn't do that one step that I said I would. What what happened to where I didn't take that step? And then what can I do to help me take that step? So it's even just shifting the language on how we speak to ourselves, shifting our perspective on how we look at something. So I added some complexity to something simple. So to, to re-simplify it, figure out what a small win looks like and start there. And don't judge yourself. Maybe just, hey, I want to work out. Well, just getting up at a certain time and drinking coffee, maybe that's where the workout starts. And then over time, it's going to be, hey, I'm just going to go downstairs or I'm going to roll out of bed and do 10 push-ups. So taking those small steps will eventually get you to where you want to go. And it's and if you don't do it, don't judge yourself. Like go from a place of curiosity and just be like, hey, that's interesting. Hey, tomorrow, let's try and do that. So to shift those voices from negative to positive. I love it, Dan. I think that, uh, you know, what you've been saying here all day is so great. Figure out a small win looks like. Go have a conversation. Um, it just re it sort of reemphasizes the point we've been trying to make. You know, leadership is not complicated. It's not hard. Um, it's not difficult. It is time consuming. It takes a little bit of effort but you don't need to have a, a master's degree in organizational leadership to pull this off. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Kyle. Yeah. So at, as we close up, Dan, one thing I keep forgetting to ask you, and I feel bad, bad friend over here. I've been <laughs> wanting to ask you this for a while, but now's a perfect chance is three LX. What, what did you, how did you come up with that name? Explain that to us. <laughs> and for our listeners, you know, three LX, Dan's a founder CEO. So explain it, buddy. So, so there's, there's power in words, there's power in names, and uh, I like doing things differently, of course. And so I, over a time, the, the 3LX is just a Roman numeral for 60. So it's, it's really, I wanted something to show uh, really my, my philosophy as it comes to leadership. And it's this 360, it's this you know, the ancient, nothing new, mind, body, spirit, and I like to say emotion, which then also ties into the company's symbol, which is a medicine wheel. So it's a Native American medicine wheel that has a ton of representation. This idea of 3LX, it's not, you know, Dan Luna Incorporated. I wanted a company name, something something that was bigger than me. Um, you know, I have this vision over the next, you know, 10, 20, 30 years to build this organization, to build out journals, to really co-create and to help pull. And that's the difference between consulting is more of a push. Hey, I'm going to tell you what to do. Coaching is more of a pull. Hey, what makes sense to you? So to now tease out, build out these tools, build an organization, create products to really help people on their leadership journey because it is so different and it is, you know, how you show up with your beliefs, you know, is part of it. And it's different for everyone. I'm not going to tell you, Kyle, what you should believe. However, we may explore how those beliefs show up, whether it's at home, in your organization, for your for yourself and help you become more aware of those beliefs. So to really cross some of these taboo lines like emotions. So I work with law enforcement. And a lot of times we talk, we talk about mindset. 
that's how we think about something or pattern of thought. Well, I like to talk about emotion set, how we feel about something and then our pattern of emotions or feelings in regards to something. So, so to be, to put it to it, to not say, oh, I don't feel anything. Well, there's, you're still feeling nothing. So there's something to be said about that. Hey, let's explore how you're not feeling anything about that, where there's this numbness, maybe because you put up armor around it. So whatever it is, we'll still explore those things. And so who am I to tell you who you should be as a leader? I don't have your past. I don't have your personality. I don't have your character. We have different values and beliefs and different things. What we can do is now co-create an experience, really your experience that you're the center of and help you on your journey. And so... So that's where, so long answer, that's where the name came awesome. from was this 360, this very holistic, trying to cross all these boundaries and bring that to the client to help them on their journey. So good. So good. So everybody go check it out. 3LX. It's a I startup. It. So don't judge my website. Too, too I got uh, it. I, I got you, Dan. I'll, we'll, we'll talk after. I'll, I'll hook you up. Um, I love it. I love hey, it. just uh, just real quick, I want to point out to all our listeners in a very, very serious tone. We've got two highly decorated Navy SEALs here talking about their emotions. If you're a man, it is okay <laughs> to have emotions. That's right. <laughs> and I will caveat this. Boundaries like everything else and timing. So there's a time and place. Ab absolutely. And everything else. And absolutely. Then, yeah, I can keep talking about this. Good. Emotions, part of the human experience. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Well, Dan, uh, everybody stay tuned. Dan is definitely coming back for season two. I'm making it. Oh. Aren't you? <laughs> You're coming back, right? I love it. Yeah, two? if you invite yes. me. I'm Heck yeah. There you hear it. It's coming back. Awesome. Thanks, Dan, for joining us. Stay tuned for following episodes. On my own, trying to, trying to, trying to find my way home.